This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave. Uh, uh, we're bringing uh, you a show with Ted Yoho. We haven't seen him yet. Normally, he's checked on by now. We hope all is well because I really don't have him to do much unless he comes on. Ha, ha, ha. There he is. My golly, he saved the day again. Whew. Oh, boy. I apologize for that. I was on a long conference call, and I'm like, I got to get off. It's 9 o'clock. I'll be darned. You know, anyway, I was a little bit jittery. Uh, you know, I can BS, but I can only BS so deeply. <laughs> <laughs> How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good, you know. You're getting ready to go on, right? Huh? You're getting ready to go on, right? Oh, we're on. We're on. We're live. We're live. All right. We're live now. <laughs> yeah, you're, people are seeing you right now. You've been talking live. All so right. Well, we are by God.com. Let's go to it. Yeah, I yeah, know you're <clears> around. Anyway, we're here in the, uh, uh, the Melvin Law Studio in a manly Warthog Man Cave in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida. And uh, protected by crime prevention, 24-7, 365, uh, and all the above. So um, today is Great our day we interview our Congressman Ted Yoho, and um, who's um, really always involved, always active. And we've got a lot of things on our mind, of course, we like to share with you. And um, I'm going to turn it over to Ted and let him sort of cue us in on what has been eaten on him. Uh, no, <laughs> I know there's something been eaten on him. From everything from uh, security leaks to uh, the speaker going to uh, Taiwan and shaking people up. So, uh, you know, what's your what's up? What's your take, Ted? I got to go back and look at all the emails I've sent you over the last since Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you just look out there in the world and what's going on in American politics, it's a mess. It's I mean, it's depressing. You see no direction. You see this country faltering. And I think I shared with you last week um, what that fellow in in Japan did. He's been in the legislature over there for 20 years. And he was talking about, you guys are the United States of America. And we talked about that. And he goes, we don't see the United States of America. What we see is a divided America. And he goes, the thing that makes America strong is you are united. And if you're not united, you're not strong. If you're not strong, it puts everybody else in jeopardy and allows room for China, Russia, other bad actors. China, Russia, other. Yeah, I had an echo there. I'm show sorry. Up. And I think that's what you're seeing going on in, in the world today. <clears throat> you see you see President Lulu of Brazil going to China, cozying up to China. You see um, uh, the French uh, Prime Minister um, Macron getting closer to China looking at using the Chinese or getting off the U.S. dollar. You see Saudi Arabia doing it. Of course, BRICS is Brazil, Russia, Iran, and China, uh, all looking to displace the U.S. dollar. 
And then you see the nonsense going on here in our banking system and the dollar devaluing. Uh, those two banks failing, they, their prediction is there's going to be many more. So we're on unstable times. And if you go back in history, <coughs> excuse me, and you look at the, the pre-World Wars, one and two, if you look at the, the, the state of affairs, and you can, some people even say the Civil War, it was all money was involved in that, and it was a lack of money. Of course, if you look at the Weimar Republic <clears throat> pre-World War II, their money devalued immediately right before the outbreak of the war. And so all the indicators are pointing to that, and I don't want to be doom and gloom. I want to focus on how do we change this? How do we get out of this? And I think that's something that we all need to look at. And, you know, we've got a government in this country that's just out of control. You look at our borders. I mean, just the border in itself is a disaster. You look at the wokeism and they're pushing this agenda. You look at um, um, our debt, which is uncontrollable. And this is the thing I sent you, Ward, about Kevin McCarthy. And it was an article in Political. <clears throat> and as a disclaimer, Political is a very liberal um, uh, newspaper up in Washington. So they're never going to say anything positive. Uh, but I've checked with some people up there, and there is a rift between Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, and Jody Arrington, who is in charge of the Budget Committee. <clears throat> and um, uh, the word, the, the, the message behind the scene is Kevin McCarthy is throwing blame on Jody Arrington, and Jody Arrington is a rank-and-file um, uh, member of the Republican Party, leans more conservative. He's from Texas. But when you start seeing Kevin doing these things, this is typical Kevin, you know, he's not going to take the blame. He's going to put it on somebody else. And he also went after Steve Scalise. Um, I hope they can work through these differences for the benefit of America and get a budget that they can stick to. But, you know, Kevin's already said that there's no way we can balance a budget in 10 years. And we talked about that last week, too. And I think that's a defeatist attitude. And if, if, if you don't think something can be done, you're not going to put the effort in it. You've got to have the can-do attitude and say, we're going to get this done, and I don't know how, but we're going to make sure this happens. And that's where leadership comes in, and that's what I don't see up there. So I'll be quiet for a minute and let you respond. Well, the Washington Examiner, I'm looking while you talk here. I'm on a couple computers here, and um, they claim the economy. Mark, I, can, I can only use one at a time. Can, well, yeah, I probably can too, but um, uh, the deficit has soared to $1.1 trillion in the first half of the fiscal year of 2023. So there's no, break, there's no breaks on it. There's no breaks on it. And no, here's what gets me listening to your explanation there. From uh, the first quarter. <laughs> yeah, first quarter. Yeah. Um, we are so distracted. You know, you know, when you look at us, really, and, you know, kind of let me look at it from, a, from somebody who's offshore somewhere in another country, from a country that's been around. But let me put it to you this way. In Europe, there are buildings that are four or five times as old as our oldest building. Sure. <laughs> you know, what that tells you, if you grow up there, that you look at this country as a very immature country. Um, it, it's not, and all of its concerns are basically very immature, if you think about it. Calling people names and, and uh, you know, still, still, still playing the race card, uh, you know, instead of turning that into a positive and saying, you know, let's all move on together and help each other and recognize each other's strengths and and each one pull on the rope together. That's not happening. And it's being exploited 
by the woke people who I'm here's what bothers me about the woke people. It's pretty well entrenched. I covered this yesterday, Ted. It's pretty well entrenched. Look at what happened and, and the issues. Abortion. Now, the Republicans got to look out for this because while we're talking about the serious things here, this abortion thing changed the com- uh, makeup of the Supreme Court in, D- in Wisconsin because of that single issue. And where they went to get the votes, from what I can understand, is they went to the Gen X young ones in the university towns, Madison being a principal witch. Now, I got to tell you that Gainesville prides itself on being like Madison. Yeah. Because I went on an inner city visit one time with the Gainesville. And by golly, when Gainesville goes on an inner city visit, everybody goes, the calves, the cows, the horses, the whole bit, whether they're major players or not, they all get on the, on the train and go. So there we were in Madison on a, on a, on a visit to find out how they did things. And so Gainesville's like, Madison. I mean, it's pretty, they want to be, they're like Portland. They go there a lot. They want to be like that. And so this university city is where the votes are being gathered right now to change issues that are not central to the survival of our country as we know it. That's my hypothesis. Okay. Did I get through that? Okay. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, the Dems, the Marxists, uh, what used to be Democrats, they are so good at laying out an agenda. Uh, and again, it goes back to Obama's fundamentally transforming America. That was 2009, I think, when he got elected, sworn in, in 2010. If you look at how rapidly this country has changed since then, that fundamental transformation of America, he, he said that uh, he wanted to get rid of affirmative action because it didn't go far enough. So they kind of put that on the back burner. And then they bring in critical race theory, Black Lives Matter, this whole transgender uh, nonsense that's going on. Um, and then you bring in the bureaucracies that are there. As you brought up, the universities are a big portion of this. Uh, the corporations that buy into this um, uh, wokeism led by people like the WEF, the World Economic Forum, and now the UN is pushing where they want authority to push the, the, the this whole um, sustainability. And I sent you that that pin that a lot of people wear. And a majority of the countries around the world, I think there's 193 countries involved in the UN, and I would say over 50 percent of them are going in this same direction. And then this, as you as you ended your comment, the last thing is this is all counterintuitive to the ideals this country was set upon. Um, you know, individual liberty, um, you know, freedom of speech, all the things that we cherish in this country. And as you've heard me say before, um, of the 100 billion people that have supposedly lived on this planet since the beginning of time, that's God created it. Only 4.5% is the estimate. 4.5% of those people, that 100 out of the 100 billion, have lived in liberty and freedom, and 80% of those are alive today. It's a very rare commodity and uh, privilege that we have, and it's under attack, and it's under attack by the things that you mentioned, and it's being fomented and educated by these universities, which is 
American tax dollars from, you know, mom and pops that are working out there every day, the business owner, the person working and paying their taxes that are funding these universities that are teaching things that go against the very grain uh, and, and ideologies that this country is founded on. And this is where we've got to push back. And, you know, people ask me, well, what do we do? Vote for people that are going to change the course of this country back to the ideals that everybody that has given those liberty and freedoms. And, you know, all you have to do is look at how these people vote. If they vote for Kevin McCarthy and Kevin McCarthy can't do what he's supposed to do, vote that person out so they don't support a weak leader again. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm very adamant about that. And I know if had I been there, I would not have voted for Kevin. I would have, um, we would have done, um, we would have had a different alternative. Um, go ahead. Well, you know, I've got here what you sent me and uh, I've read it with interest. And let me say before I go through a little bit of this with us, um, Obama globalized America, if you will, bought into the whole UN global thing, um, really killed the nuclear nonproliferation treaties, um, sat back and let Crimea be taken. Um, strange, that strange haul of gold to a, Iran in the middle of the night by jet. I, I never have understood that. Um, so I'm going to start off with the fact that I looked at some of these goals at the UN, and they're just so, they have nothing. I don't see in any of these what we just mentioned as values, individual freedom of choice uh, to, to uh, compete and better your life in the best set of circumstances that social structure could give you. The number one goal of the UN is to end poverty in all its forms. Come on. Are you kidding me? I mean, they got this thing down as a goal. Uh, I looked at that and I shook my head. Zero hunger is a number two goal. I'm just going to go right. through this and stop me when you get uh, when you feel ill. Um Food security, improved nutrition. I mean, come on. Uh, uh, good health and well-being. Well, who can be against that? But, you know, this is uh, what does that mean? Socialized medical care where you're waiting in line and you can't uh, um, see the best doctors and you got your medical expertise watered down by affirmative action. I'll just go ahead and say it. You know, you know, you have to be careful who comes through these institutions who came in. In the beginning, an affirmative action. Uh, right. It might be okay if it came into law school, but you look up and it comes through med school and you got another problem. And we got medical school just eat up with wokeism now. So, Ted, it's not even stopping. I'm not even to the halfway through the list. Um, what does a quality education mean? Inclusion and equability. That's what it means um, to them, to the UN, inclusion. Hey, how about exclusion? How about the original view of education by Thomas Jefferson, you, you know, we, we, you test into the educational track and you compete there. And if you can't compete there in that track, we got another track for you where you can compete and you can uh, test back in this track. That's gone. That went away a long time ago here locally, Ted, we're even having some trouble with magnet schools. I had to ask some teachers what magnet school meant. And I know what it means now. You, you, you put an, an excellent, sort of school inside a school in a lousy part of town. Um, right. You put the IB program in East Side. And so the people who want their kids to go get the best, send them to East Side, notwithstanding, you know, it's uh, dangerous. That's fading. That's starting to be 
you know, they're not enthusiastic about that anymore. These magnet school things are being questioned now. I don't know if it's worth sending my kid to a place where you've got a city that runs the cops down and doesn't want to fund law and order. And oh, yeah. we've, got, we've got more shootings here, Ted, in Gainesville, uh, <clears throat> you know, we've ever had. Just lickety split. I'll, I'll rest. I'm only on the fourth goal of the UN, which is to have education become inclusive and equitable. Well, you know, I don't know if you saw the article. It was in the newspaper today uh, talking about Walmart is closing four stores in Chicago because they're unprofitable. They've been unprofitable in the tens of millions, and they said they're way over that now. And they don't go into the reason, and we know what the reason is. It's the shoplifting. It's the same reason a lot of the grocery stores in Gainesville in the east side of town closed down. And we talked to people from Food Line and other stores, and I talked to other stores about going in there so that wasn't a, what they call a food desert. And, um, you know, this is the 21st century with uh, public transportation. There are no food deserts. And I know you're going to get dinged about that, how insensitive I am. But um, they don't go into certain areas because of the amount of crime and shoplifting. And that's what happened up in Chicago. Uh, and it was, we know who sh- who's stealing the stuff. It's just people that go in there and they don't get held accountable. And we've seen the videos and all that. And so these stores are pulling out, but they're not saying why. But we know why it is, but they don't want to be politically incorrect. And you're right about um, the, the, the magnet schools. Everything is being watered down. And if again, I, I hate to keep bashing Obama, but you know, he's a big cause of what's going on, you know, the fundamental transformation of America. You know, they wanted to get rid of affirmative action because that didn't go far enough. So they bring in the equity, they bring in inclusion, and it's a way of dividing this nation to pit one side against the other side. He did something else, you know. You the Democrats are great at again. Um, bringing in, again, Marxists, they bring in programs, the Affordable Care Act. The Republicans can't get rid of it. I mean, I was there. We voted so many times to get rid of that. When Even when we had the majority in the House and the Senate, we couldn't get rid of it. <clears throat> the Affordable Care Act brought in PBMs, the pharmacy benefit managers that favors um, the big hospitals, the HCAs, it favors Walgreens, the big uh, uh, drugstores, the Walmart drugstores, the Publix, it favors the pharmaceutical companies. And so it drives the cost of medicines up. And if you don't play in the government circle, you're going to pay a lot more. And so what they've done is they have changed society. And you you think of uh, during the Obama eras about nobody gets a trophy. You know, everybody's a winner or, you know, what? nobody's a loser. Everybody's a winner. And these schools getting rid of grades so that the kid doesn't feel bad for not achieving. You know, life is tough. And, you know, when when you start taking away those things that measure society and try to treat everybody equal, because that's what they want is equity. Everybody's equal. Well, the truth is, not everybody is equal in performance. If it was, I'd get paid what Michael Jordan got paid or some of these other sports athletes. You know, and I'm terrible at that, so I shouldn't get paid what they do. But yet government is saying, little Johnny, he can't get an F because it'll make him feel bad. Well, by God, that's life. You know, life is not easy. Life is not fair. 
But yet we're trying to tell everybody it is fair and government is going to be the great adjuster and make these things equitable. And, um, you know, by doing that, you're getting away from the values that have made America what America is. You know, we are an exceptional nation, even though Barack Obama said we're no more exceptional than any other country. You know, this guy, why he was not held accountable. You know, he came out and said that America was not a a Judeo-Christian country any more than it was a Muslim country. And I'm like, you know, again, where was the media? I remember when he said that, you go back to every founding document that we have in our founding fathers, things written today, uh, America was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, period. And yet we've got a president saying, we're not exceptional. We weren't founded on these principles. Yes, we were, and it should be taught in our schools. Uh, and uh, we're not doing that. And we've allowed our schools to be taken over by the uh, the socialist teachers union. Um, you know, you look at how much money we pay on administration and look at the growth of those administrations in the educational system. It outpaces the money going, the resources going to the students. And then look at the message being formed. And this is where I like what Ron DeSantis is doing on going through these books and people are bashing him and saying he's racist, he's homophobic, he's transphobic. No, he wants the basics being taught to our kids. He wants civics being taught to our kids. And we need more leaders like that. And uh, these people that are in Congress or in the Senate, and if they're not standing up fighting against this at this time in America's history, we don't need them in office, period. Well, I'm going to tell you, oh, now who um, um, decommissioned himself in uh, D.C. <laughs> and we, all, we, we, we wish that had not been the case. But I've not heard that before, but that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I just came off the top of my head. You know, I never know what I'm going to say, Ted. But it, it, it came it, off the top of your head like your hair, right? <laughs> yeah, right off my hair, yeah. Anyway, it, it seems to be a lot. He had decommissioned himself. Uh, put himself, he didn't put himself in mothballs though. Uh, he's still very much active. He can be, we can bring him out to see again if we need him. So, uh, if he, I'm watching chat line, y'all, and if you see anything you want to tell me, I'm watching that. Hello, John Magnuson, Hall of Fame umpire there, buddy. A lot of changes going on in, in baseball, by the way. One of these days I'll cover it. Uh, that is really weird. You know, I was a pitcher in baseball and, you know, you try to hold a guy on and you can throw over there as many times as you want to ad nauseum. Not now. You can only throw three times in the major leagues, and uh, then they get an automatic base ahead if you try to own the fourth. I've been studying those rules. Man, I'm telling you, it's something else. So we'll have to figure out how that works, but uh, that's a little bit of a side. But, uh, but it, it doesn't really isn't a side because every activity should have rules and be governed by it, and everybody abides by them and plays within them, and that makes it fair. What the uh, Democrats really want to do is uh, uh, erase the rules, they, they don't really want rules. They, um, and, you know, this, um, you know, all abortion Supreme Court decision did was say it, it never belonged in the Constitution. If you want to have it in the Constitution, you guys in Congress put it in there. We're going to send it back down to the states where it is. And you right. know, people are so poorly educated about civics and how it works that they think the doggone Supreme Court killed abortion. No, all they right. did was umpire the rules. They said no. That does you can't use that baseball in this game. Or one of the old days, we used to put lead in the bats. You know, you can't use that in the bats because you know it gave us more power in the tip. And so, boy, I mean, we got good at it too. You know, you could yeah. bore a little hole in there and then fill it with. It was quite an art. But well, uh, you brought up rules. 
and, and you brought up the lead in the bat. People are going to cheat. I mean, you look at these fishing tournaments, that guy and his partner got caught. They won $300,000 by putting lead weights in the belly of the fish so that they weighed more. Oh, really? If there's money involved and there's people. We're a greedy society. We're a greedy species. And it's, I mean, it's documented. We're greedy. And that's why you need a set of rules that people play by the rules. But you don't water them down to where everybody's equal because they're not. And if everybody's equal, why compete? Why play a football game? Because we're, we're going to wind up at a tie because we're equal, you know, and it's just, it's nonsense. Competition is what, what drives innovation and things like that. And and greed is a part of that. Unfortunately, Um, you know, I want more for me and my family than I want for you. And I, you know, nothing personal. Yeah. I want you to stay healthy and wealthy and wise and all that stuff, but I'm going to look out for my family just a little bit more. And, um, and you know, we, we, you know, the the cheating part is, um, back to the idea that I very much believe there's very little honor in the world. Uh, once upon a time, that was one of the definitions of a statesman. Uh, yeah. I think I think it was. The statesman I had the privilege to know, and they're gone. I don't know any now. Um, you know, you could take, you didn't need contract, you shook a hand. And, and right. that's the way it went. I mean, and you didn't dare betray that person because you'd never, you'd never interact with that person again. And, and, um, so everybody lived up to the honor. Um, yeah, you know, I'm going to stop you there for a minute if I can. Yeah. Even though it's your show. You were talking about you shook a hand with somebody. That was your honor. This goes back to what you brought up multiple times about the size of a community. When it gets so large, you can get by with hoodooing somebody and not being honest and having the integrity and things like that. But in that smaller community, everybody knew who you were. They knew you're a person of your word. And uh, that's been lost as societies get larger in their community. So sorry about that. I- well, no, the abstraction of the society and the individual has been, um, you know, and now we got artificial intelligence is going to take it all the way out to where who knows what. Uh, nobody knows where that's going. I'm always reminded of, 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 I think I shared this with you and I'll share it again with the audience, of what Billy Matthews, my old buddy who, yep. um, you know, who was a congressman for four, four presidents, from the Newberry area and a farmer, uh, when he saw a first uh, room full of the first computers, I think it was about 1981 or so at the college. And he looked in there and he said, Ward, what are those? I said, Billy, you know, those are computers. And he said, without even thinking, he said, <clears throat> I think they're going to prove out to be the worst hoax perpetrated on mankind. And <laughs> I, that stuck with me because what it means is, it's just removed us from natural. The natural world is that much more. Um, no, it, has, it has. It has dehumanized. Social media. It has dehumanized. It's not humanized. Right. And the Social argument media has done the same thing. Yeah, it, know, an argument was around on their cell phones. People are walking around on their cell phones, not interacting. I don't know if I shared this with you. Um, when I got kind of privy of AI and quantum computing and how much faster quantum computing is going to be. It's going to be light years ahead of what we have. You marry that with artificial intelligence. Um, And we had Intel, Qualcomm, Apple, the big tech companies in there. And I said, do you feel like the government should help guide where this is going? And they said, we need regulations. We need that because, and I brought up the reason. I said, would the government allow the Manhattan Project to happen in the private sector? And they said, no, because if they did, it would be sold to the highest bidder. 
and they they all agreed that AI and quantum computing is going to have more of a destructive force than the hydrogen bomb. And I know you're at your break, so I'll shut up. Well, no, let's pick up on that when we get back. <clears throat> all right. You know, nobody seems to know where this is going, but they all seem to be kind of um, knees knocking over it and don't know what to do. I don't think it can be reined in, frankly. Um, it, it'll 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 play out and be very difficult to control. Um, we're talking with Ted Yoho here on our Wednesdays, and uh, we're going to be back in a moment. We're going to take a break for the weather, uh, and we'll be back in a moment on the Word Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. Hey, dads and kids, join head coach Billy Napier at the Gainesville All-Pro Dad Experience, Saturday, April 22nd at 9 a.m. at the University of Florida Sanders Practice Facility and Fields. Learn fatherhood tips and participate in activities with your kids while rotating through stations on the field. It's only $25 per family, so register today at allprodad.com slash events. The Gainesville All-Pro Dad Experience is brought to you by the Florida Department of Education, Dairy Council of Florida, and Tyson. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On-the-Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, Thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth. All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil.
it's a mixed bag. Depending upon where you are, you might go from a summer-like temperature to snow. And uh, here in the Gulf Coast and uh, Florida East Coast, we're probably going to get a little rain, which we would really welcome. I'm looking out at the cattle. I'm trying to figure out when to stop hauling hay. And just as I think I'm going to be able to do it while we get another dry spell and I look out and it doesn't seem to be the kind of grass I'd like to have. So we're all waiting around for a big downpour here. We've certainly got the temperatures to make the grass grow. We just don't have the water. So, uh, you know, that's all part of the natural world. And it's one of the themes that you'll hear me talk about, and particularly with Ted Yoho, whose professional training is as a veterinarian, a large animal, uh, certainly knows the countryside, certainly has been interacting professionally with people who know the countryside. And you have a whole different understanding of your relationship to the world when you are listening to the wind blow through the trees and uh, watching um, the miraculous thing that happens when a calf is born. Um, Mother Nature, there's no doctor, there's no hospital. Uh, that mother immediately turns around and licks that placenta off and takes care of that so that the, the uh, vultures and all don't get it and licks that calf. And if you've ever, and Ted knows this, if you've ever watched the moment that mother's tongue hits that calf, it's like an electric jolt. Uh, it really is. And pow, life is started. <clears throat> and within 10, 15 minutes, that calf is up and it knows to, where to go for its first meal. It's amazing, Ted. I know you've Isn't seen that it amazing times. But you know, I just, huh? Mother Nature it just amazes me. You know, I miss those days watching that calf for the first time get up, searching for the the teat, and uh, and finds it. And if not, the mother helps it. The mother helps it. The other thing that occurs to me, I had some people out here the other day uh, to sit on the back porch with me, and the thing they marveled at: they live in the city, they don't ever see the sky. They yeah. never see the sky, and I'm thinking, how can you live? I mean. What do, you, what do you mean? You never see the sky? Well, they don't. They see skyscrapers. And, you know, I take a look at the transformation of Gainesville at the university in 441 there. Uh, you can't see the sun now because of the height of those buildings. And they're doing that for uh, cram more people into what I call egg crates in the center of town and uh, keep the <laughs> automobile from spreading people out. So uh, anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there with the weather because, um, you know, we, 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 we know the weather. We can, I can smell the weather change, uh, Ted. Yeah, you can. You can. You know, they, I guess the, the climatologists, the, the, the ones that have it as a religion have gotten it kind of right because in the 70s, we're going into the mini ice age. And so there's <laughs> global cooling, global cooling. Well, that didn't catch on. Then it was global warming, you know, and that didn't catch on. But then they went to climate change. And that kind of covers everything. You know, um, it's kind of like in veterinary medicine. If you don't know what happened and your dog died, I can say, you know, it was a virus. Because uh -huh. there's that enigma around what a virus is. And, uh, you know, so now I can just say it's climate change instead of teaching people to adapt to the climate. Um, you know, there's an article here I was looking at in the Wall Street Journal. Too, it's too dense for me to go through, but it's by David Barker, who uh, he... Uh, has analyzed the Fed's climate studies and the title of the article is they're full of hot air. <laughs> <laughs> and he's run his own analysis and uh, analyzed the same data they did and found out, and uh, it's all screwed up. Um, you know, the, the Fed study, he says, uh, appeared to show a statistically significant effect of temperature on economic growth, but it failed to take into account that each country in a sample 
uh, had equal weight in the analysis, but uh, China, therefore, had the same weight as St. Vincent, <laughs> though China's population is 13,000 <laughs> times as large. You know? Right. So, you know, you have to wonder, is the science corrupt? Of course it is. The science has been politicized, and we've talked about this. Everything has been, quote, unquote, it seems anyway, politicized. And then I suppose we owe it to our audience here to try to define what politicization politicized means. I mean, uh, you want to take a stab, a stab at it? I, I will if, <laughs> with you. Yeah, COVID-19. Um, that's a great example of how they politicized a, a pandemic. I'll call it a pandemic because it was worldwide. But, you know, when you politicize a, a, an event, when you politicize it, you put one side against the other side. Go back and think when Trump came out with the vaccine, Kamala Harris and Joe Joe Biden said, we're not taking the Trump vaccine. We don't trust it. We don't do this. But when they're in office, oh, take the vaccine because it was us that did it. And, and Biden was saying there was no vaccines available prior to him getting in Congress. But yet it showed him getting a vaccine. <laughs> so that's politicization. You look at Fauci. Uh, masks, wear masks. Then masks don't work. Then wear two masks, um, then social distancing. So they start putting the political agenda of what they want to get, and they put that in place. And so they take what we should have done with a pandemic and use science to do that to where they take the science and they twist it to meet their political ideology. I hope that kind of got close to what you wanted. Well, I think it's a pretty good, I think it's a pretty good example. And you can do the same with client. You can do the same with education, nobody gets a trophy or everybody gets a trophy. You know, they start doing that. Um, and that's politis, political input into that. And that's what's wrong with Washington because everything is political. The border. If I'm a Republican, I want a secure border. I want rule of law. If I'm a Democrat, they, they're going to say that the, the Republicans are xenophobic. They're racist, um, you know, all these crazy things that they say. And so everything becomes a political issue. The gun debate, that's a political issue. You know, guns are bad. They kill people. No, guns are an inanimate object. They don't kill anybody. It's the person holding the gun that kills it. I think the most amazing, now that we're thinking about it, talking about a politicalization of an event that I've seen in the last couple of weeks, it's a fake. It's a tour de force. I mean, it, it, you have to get it them. Is, it is. It's a tour de force. They took the unfortunate incident at the Christian school yeah. by the, I don't know what to call her, I guess, her, transgendering. Mentally ill. Yeah, right. transgendering. And it was strictly, it was a, facts are, it was a Christian school and it was a transgender person and they took that to the Tennessee legislative floor and turned it into a race issue right a race issue now I'm trying to figure out how in the hell can you go from a you know let's assume it's a sex issue at the Christian school and that person felt like the Christian school didn't acknowledge the, let's just start with that assumption. That's got nothing to do with race. 
But by the time it gets to the Texas legislative floor, it's a gun issue, which is politicized into the Republicans advocating for guns and the Democrats not. And there's no mention of the political persuasion of the shooter at the Christian school. Right, right. Did that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And that's I think that's a good analogy of politic- politicization of, a, of an event. And let's get back to the basics. And, you know, if you get away from the basics, you get all this garbage in there and it gets us off track of who we are as a nation. And I think, you know, the Trump supporters, the Magna supporters, of which I was one and still am, um, you know, we want to we want some normalcy. We want to go back. I, I don't want to say the good old days because people say you want the white patriarchy. No, I don't. I want to go back to the good old days of the ideologies and the founding principles that created this great country. And let's get rid of all this other garbage. You know, I believe in God, country, family. I believe in competition. I believe in the free enterprise system. Is it, could it be better? Absolutely, it could be better. But don't throw the whole thing away in the name of we're going to create everybody equal or not create them equal. We're going to treat everybody equally. You can't. You know, if I if I get up and I go to work and I pay my taxes and I, I don't steal or loot or anything, and there's my neighbor that lives next to me that doesn't work, he's on welfare, and they, they, they go out and sell drugs and all that, should we be treated equally? I don't think so. You know, I think you should reward effort, and I think it should be rewarded, rewarded accordingly. Um, you know, that's just... To do otherwise of what they want to do is an authoritarian state monitoring everything. And I don't know if you saw the article today about the United Nations wanting more authority to manage the world. Now, think about it. We are the United States of America. The UN is the the one world government. And we're we're paying 25, 30 percent of the of the dues for everybody from the American taxpayers and it's, it's working against American sovereignty and our freedom. And uh, I think that whole thing needs to be looked at. And I've said before, you know, I'm okay with the United Nations, but I think we ought to put them in a country that needs them. Maybe uh, Somalia. And then we can ship Elon Omar back and be one of the, <laughs> right, right, right. One of the, the directors of that, because that country needs help. Our country is off kilter right now because we've gotten away from the basics. Well, you know, if I can sit here, uh, once again, quote unquote, off the top of my head, um, come up with a series of, I would call them common sense questions about how you take uh, a situation at the school, Christian school, and take it to the Tennessee floor and make it a race card. If I can do that, why can't the media do that? You see, this is the other joker in the deck, Ted. Why can't the media do that? Because well, they're in the bag with the, the left. They're in the bag. Of course they are. We're the, I mean, this show, what keeps me coming back to it is just exactly what we're doing. Uh, presenting an alternative to what people get their information from elsewhere. I mean, this is just common sense questions. If somebody here in the chat or anywhere else could give me an explanation. That I can, you know, I'll listen to it. How you take a shooting at the Christian school by a gender confused person and make it a Republican 
attack on Republicans for gun control um, and play the race card with it. By the way, these three characters and the woman, the white woman, helped with the race card. They asked her why she wasn't disciplined. Well, she didn't come in with the megaphone, you know. And so they didn't discipline. Nothing about the decorum and the rules of the legislature ever appears in the article, ever appears in the articles. Right. I mean, she would have been disciplined, too, had she grabbed a bullhorn. And started but I believe she said it was because she was white, didn't she? That's what she said to ask her. Right. Rather than give an honest-to-God answer and say, well, I didn't need this. Almost, she almost got it. She lacked a vote. But I didn't grab a These guys went in and shouted through the, through the megaphones. But she turned it into the race car. She said, oh, it's because I was white. And boy, that's all they needed. That you know, that Tennessee legislature did what they needed to do, hold those people accountable. We always want accountability in government. Go back to when um, the Democrat um, Party did the sit-in on the House floor and was over gun control. Might have been after the Sandy Hook or the uh, the Parkland shooting. You know, I saw John Lewis down there, uh, Jim Crowley, who got voted out, thank goodness, um, by AOC. In fact, she beat him by... There's only 13,000 votes in that whole election that she brought her in. Yeah, they amazing. sat for in a sit-in, singing songs, eating Kentucky Fried Chicken, videoing themselves, doing fundraising on the House floor, which goes against all the rules. We tried to get John Boehner to censure every one of them, and he wouldn't do it. You know, there is no leadership there. They would not do that. And um, Tennessee did what they needed to do. You break the rules, you get out. Um you know, and so those members of Tennessee that voted that way to remove these people, they need to be backed by their citizens. In fact, you know, people around the country that believe in the values of this country should support those people because the left is going to come after them. The George Soros, the Michael Bloomberg's are going to come after them. And that's how you get the country to readjust. You keep people in there like that. Don't, don't cave to them. You know, don't be the John Boehner. We'll see what Kevin McCarthy does. I look back at what he was going to do to me with the AOC incident for penalizing me for something I did not say to her. And, um, you know, he, he was going to do what was politically best for the party. Uh, I don't I didn't expect him to stand up to me. but I did expect him to stand up for for truth. And, um, you know, they just not going to take an arrow and and protect members if if it's uh, politically. Um, controversial. Yeah, that's an excellent example you just came up with there because AOC, 13,000 votes, signs herself, finds herself one of the big mouths on the floor and uh, takes it and runs with it and never gets disciplined. But, you know, I did tell the story here that, uh, you know, another show you weren't on, that I was a city manager. And we had a situation like that. And the uh, on the dais, we had one very unruly, unruly city commissioner who would... Uh, you know, not follow the rules, talk out of turn, had an agenda and a whole bit. And it, it, you know, the city commission, others didn't know what to do. And, you know, and they'd already fired, by the way, about four or five city managers before I got there. And, you know, they could fire me. So be it. They'd be, the first thing I found out, by the way, when I got there, it wasn't the city manager's problem. It was the commissioner's problem themselves. They should have fired themselves. But anyway, um, <laughs> I advised them. I said, look, if this person's driving you crazy, you have the rules. Uh, you can censor that person. And I'll be darned if they didn't censor that person. And and uh, the funny thing about it is I was only an interim city manager. I went to a city manager meeting one time, Ted, 
walked in. Here were professional city managers. Okay, this is hilarious. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to have to sit in the back here because I'm not the real deal. These guys are the real deal. When I came in, Ted, they stood up and said, here comes our hero. That's the truth. And I said, what are you guys talking about? They said, man, you did what we wish (laughs) we could do. Did you bow up? (laughs) No, I just told them. I said, well, see, what they were alluding to is I didn't need the job. That You know, I was an interim. I didn't care. They asked me to come and straighten the place out. Okay, I will, but I'm going to tell you the truth. You know, Doesn't that give you a different mindset? I don't need this job. That's kind yeah. of the way I went out to D.C. I, you know, I didn't go up there for a job. I had a good job and a career. Life was good. It was for a cause. Well, you but know, when I, was, when I was in the classroom, one of the, one of the things we did was study classical literature. We studied the Greek society, and democracy sort of starts there. And in the right. democratic society of Greece, this is so interesting, I think, Ted. We don't even think about this. You could not be a professional politician. Right, right. You got picked by lottery. Right. You got picked by lottery, just the way you do for a jury. And the thinking here was, therefore, we need a good education system. Because anybody among us can find himself, and it was male, uh, making comments about how to run the country. And so they forced them to educate differently from the way we educate. And I always thought, boy, we have come a long way. Now we got hacks like Harris going to the Tennessee legislative floor, screaming out that it's undemocratic to throw those people out. When it's exactly the opposite. (laughs) Exactly the opposite. Democracy is supposed to work. That's the way democracy is supposed to work. They didn't have anything for her to do. And she's a vestige organ, you know. She's turned yeah. the vice presidency into a joke. And, and, she um, really has. Oh, she, she's just, you, you know, demeaned and unbe- just by sitting there, you know. And then she goes to the Tennessee legislative world and, and to Nashville and dares say that that was undemocratic. And nobody confronts her. She's a race baiter. And, you know, of course, because if you confront her, the media, everybody's going to go after you. They're going to dox you. They're going to marginalize you. And that's what people don't want. It's not worth the price. Yet, if we don't do that, it empowers them. And talking about what you were talking about, uh, as far as the type of legislatures, I've mentioned this book before. It's The Three Lives of James Madison, Genius, Partisan, and President. This is Madison was back in the 1700s. If you read what he wrote about politicians and the professional politicians and what you just brought up, you know, and they got a lot of their beliefs from uh, the Greek democracy that was set up. Um, This stuff has been going on for over, um, you know, thousands of years of getting to where we're at. So it's not something like they, a bunch of old white guys with powdered wigs made up in the 1700s. This was based on thousands of years of evolution in how to manage and how to be self-governing. And uh, we have done it better than any other country on the planet. We're the only ones to try it. We're the only ones to really try it. And, you know, being from the professional, the education professional world, I lay the blame at the foot of the education system. Um, Well, I've been in there. I've, I've been among these people 
uh, Ted. It's um, you know, it's a self perpetuating, self perpetuating downward spiral. Um, yeah. And part of it, you know, let me let me just give you an example. I covered this yesterday. You know, uh, New College in uh, Sarasota. Right. They are complaining that DeSantis is trying to turn them, uh, you know, into the great the great school there in uh, Michigan. Hillsdale. They don't right. take any federal money. Hillsdale. Right. Right. Therefore, they're they're free. You know, um, they're not. So there's my point is there's so much government money subsidizing education uh, of that. Um, you know, I, I pulled this article up. Here's it. Who owns the university? Well, the board, of course, board. most schools, public or private, are overseen by a legally constituted governing board. At public institutions, however, the state government usually becomes the legal owner of the school. And, you know, that's what they're hollering about with DeSantis. Is he's saying, well, listen, we need a balance in this doggone ownership. Right now, you've tipped the scale too far. And then the administrators, they have the executive responsibility. But it's a different world from the faculty, I can guarantee you. Oh, absolutely. Having been a Senate president, I can tell you, those two two entities hate each other. Um, can you imagine what would happen if they put the Johnson Amendment on universities? Lyndon Johnson is the one that came up with the bright idea of um, uh, taking the tax-free status of the church if the preacher preaches from the pulpit about politics. Can you imagine if we did that to universities and if they espouse um, liberal ideology that they would lose their their uh, tax exemptions and would have to start paying taxes. Yeah. That would yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you are. Uh, of course, this article goes on to point out that the students are the primary reason for the school's existence and uh, that these uh, tuitions and fees have gone up, up and up. Um, and I tell you how that happens. It is the book, what I call the book peddlers. You know, in in uh, in, in the world of classical literature, right. there's nothing changed. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, Homer's Homer. Okay, you yeah. don't need to change the book. Shakespeare's Shakespeare. You don't need to change the book. But these people got onto this these books. It's it's, it's worth talking about for a minute, Fred. And they would have to put in. Well, that's all old white guy stuff. We need to put in a poet that, and they dig up some poet from an obscure world, but he fits the formula. We need a minority poet, and okay, fine. That's fine. I've got no problem with that. But they make you buy a new book. Right. And as a student, that means you can't sell your book back. You follow? Right, right. You can't sell that book back. Right. Because the bookstore won't resell it. Because it doesn't have that new edition in it. And I'm telling you, those book guys learned that trick. And they would whine and dine us. They would get us together as a department and treat us to a big lunch and all that business. Because we had to vote on the adoption of the text. Yeah. We, never, we never had any choice. I mean, all of them did it. We didn't have one that didn't do it, you know? 
Now you marry a, a political ideology like critical race theory. Yeah. They come sell that to you. And if you don't vote for it, you're a racist. And that's what's going on with DeSantis right now. Um, I guarantee you, if I were in the college right now, that has in the textbook somehow, some way. Sure. And, sure. and in all, let's say you have three book peddlers. I call them book peddlers. You got three book peddlers that come. They may, one book peddler may have that material on page two. Another may have it on page 50, but they got it. And so, yeah, in there. you know, you're not, you don't really have a choice. Right. So the accrediting, the, the accrediting agencies get involved in this too, Ted. And of course, they start accrediting on whether or not you have, of course, a diversity and inclusion, which <laughs> gives you the, I'm sorry, the devil made me do it. You do that well. <laughs> you follow the logic here? Yeah, I do. You so the, the Santis is trying to reclaim uh, the ownership of the university by balancing the political teeter-totter a little more than it's balanced. And Well, and that's what we need. We need that kind of an adjustment, and we need that not just in DeSantis, but all these other governors, the Republican governors, which we have a majority right now, but I don't know how long that'll last. You look at what happened up in Michigan. Um but if I can, I drop back to the AI you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, we got a couple. You're talking about how it needs to be reined in, and I'm sure you're aware of the over 1,100 top high tech people and scientists that said we need to put a pause on AI and rein it in, and really define what we have and analyze what we have so we know what direction to go because they're afraid of it. We can do that, you know, open minded countries like us. But the problem is people like China. Russia, Iran, North Korea, yeah. Cuba, they're not going to do it. They're going to use it to their advantage to hurt yeah. countries like ours. So um, there again, it becomes good and evil, you know, and it's, it's timeless because that's a struggle of mankind. You're going to, and womankind, or I'm not going to throw that other one in there. It's man or woman, <laughs> but it's, it's the struggle of humanity, good versus evil. And this goes back pretty biblical. I mean, it's, it happens. It doesn't happen so much in the animal world. I mean, it's just the survival of the strongest, you know. Yeah. If I'm freer than you are and I'm bigger than you and I can get you, I'm going to eat you. Um, you know, that's just, that's nature. And humanity is probably no different. You know, I think back of those words of that Chinese number two in China under Xi Jinping, and he says the natural state of man is to kill each other. And I thought that was a very out of out of the context statement but when you look at human history that's pretty much the natural state and so you have good versus evil and that's why we need a united states of america because we are the ones that have the rule of law we have a faction out there now the marxist democrat socialist whatever you want to call them that want equity for everybody and it's uh, it, it ain't going to happen we got to conclude on that, Ted. We've, man, we've gone through a magical hour here again, and we've had a great discussion. Hopefully, you all have uh, enjoyed listening to us think really on our feet, really think on our feet. Uh, we don't rehearse the show. Um, we sort of converse with each other and exchange opinions, and um, and we let you participate on the chat line and uh, and have a conversation with us. So, Ted, thanks for showing up today, and sure. and um, look forward to seeing you soon again, and have a great day. And I'm going to have to say well. goodbye to everybody. Warthog Command, Warthog Command Center out.